Hey, I'm Andy. Welcome to Water's Edge Church. Uh, where we exist to love God and others. I believe I know everybody here for the most part. And uh, we exist to love God and others. And this is a phrase I've been sitting with, particularly in difficult and divisive times. That's just a phrase I've been sitting with for a couple of years, uh, that our orthodoxy matters, what we believe matters, but our orthopraxis, how we live out our beliefs matter that much more. And I've been challenged with this phrase um, that was given to me and a couple other people as we went to a, like a conference slash retreat a couple weeks ago. Is how do we think more deeply about things while loving more widely? That's a phrase that I've been sitting with. How do we think more deeply about things while loving more wildly? Wildly, wildly and widely. I like that phrase. Maybe that was intentional. I'm going to sit down because I'm tired. And... Um, I'll get up in a minute probably. And our orthodoxy matters. We don't want to throw out our beliefs, what we believe about Jesus and other worldviews, the cross and the Holy Spirit, heaven and hell, sinners and saints, sexuality, gender, race, inclusion, finances, security. We don't want to throw any of that out by no means. It creates a solid ground by which we walk on. Uh, at the same time, how we love matters just as much as what we believe if not more. How we respond to the war that's happening, the wars rather, in Palestine and Israel, uh, Russia, Ukraine, the war in your hearts, the war with your neighbors who parks in front of your house all the time. Uh, for children learning autonomy, how do we respond to that? To adults making purchases, to young person or any person wrestling with their sexuality or gender to singles having sex before marriage, to the married dad who seems a little close to that woman who's not his wife, to the woman who's married too close to that man who's not her husband, to our friend in financial straits, to that annoying person in financial straits, to a church member who doesn't want to give. How we respond matters. How we think more deeply, love more widely. To the masses that are grieving, how we respond matters. Orthopraxis, can you say that word? Orthopraxis, how we love more widely matters, particularly in these difficult and divisive times. Uh, it's a bit of the vision. It's a bit of the vision that I feel like God has been welling up in this space, in this beautiful space that God has solidified over the couple of years. As we think about this space, as we think about that term, the mass is grieving, this is our last Sunday in this space, in this well-lit chapel. Um, and I actually have been feeling it. I did not have a lot of energy this week. I'm a little low energy right now. I've known a little bit longer, so I'm probably been processing, but I feel a bit of fatigue. I'm like, oh, that's change, you know? And I think uh, I want to know how you're feeling. How are you feeling with the change? You don't have to share right now. We'll share in a bit in a different, unique way. But just to take stock, like how are you feeling that this is likely our last Sunday, at least for a while, I don't know what the Lord has in the future, meeting here in this space, so beautiful, so anointed. Whatever you're feeling, you should welcome it like a guest to the table. If it's sadness, hey, guests, have a seat at the table. If it's loss, have a seat. If it's confusion, sit right next to me. Uh, if you know anything, I, I appreciate creating space for grief. I call it having a high theology of the tomb. That is the space between the cross and resurrection. 
And um, we have a slide for grief. You got me, Cyril? You're my man. Cyril's doing it right now on his phone. How cool is that? Yeah, and um, when it comes to endings, and there's so many endings of life, small endings, big endings, endings, uh, there's a process of like loss, sadness, um, and, and in many ways, an acceptance. Well, really, it's like anger, sadness, and then loss, but it's not formulaic. But after you know that loss, there comes a space in between where you're just like, kind of like, oh, I'm beat. I am tired. And that time of that space, unfortunately, is fairly incalculable, how long it takes. But there's emptiness, there's vulnerability, there's a lack of energy. And I would guess that you're either in the ending portion or the in-between portion right now when it comes to our Sunday space. And I don't want to over-dramatize it, but I don't want to dismiss it either. I want to create space for it because grief comes in all sizes. Uh, like when the fall's over, there's grief. You know, it's like, oh man, winter. And when someone moves, there's grief. When, when you drive here and you smell the ocean, that's a smell you're going to miss on Sunday mornings because we're a little bit further inland. Hopefully the wind will blow strong enough. <laughs> but maybe there's a memory you have here where somebody provided a word for you. Or maybe there's just a friendship or friendships that you made here. You're like, holy cow, I started playing cello here with this guy who was annoying and I won't be here anymore in this space. Though you will be playing cello because I would drag you here. (laughs) Grief comes in all shapes and sizes. And that passage that Laura read, Jesus, we don't know it contextually, but he's grieving the loss of his cousin, John the Baptist. And their destinies were like woven together by the Father. And now he's gone. He's gone. This is like about a year plus still before the cross. So he's like processing that loss. Meanwhile, the, the disciples are going to Bethsaida. It's this beautiful tree, hilly spot. It's like if you lived in, if you lived in Cardiff or you lived in Encinitas, you'd be like getting away to like Carlsbad. Or if you live in Carlsbad, it's like getting away to Cardiff or Encinitas. It's like just a little bit of a getaway, but just far enough where they're just trying to get away. They've been sent off on mission and Jesus is like, let's get away together. Let's just rest underneath these trees and smell the sea. But people follow them, and they're bummed about it. And that's minor compared to Jesus losing his cousin, but we can't judge one another's grief. We grieve all the time. We grieve, and we need to grieve, because just like the day starts with the darkness before the light, just like sorrow comes before the laughter, we need to allow our grief so that we can embrace the joy. It's just the way it has to be. So um, whenever there's loss, there's certainly love loss. So what I want us to just consider as we begin is how has God acted on your behalf or our behalf in this space? In the last two years and four plus months that we've been meeting here as a, uh, as a church plant, how has God acted on your behalf just in this space? And just to process that, I'll describe how to do it, but before I do it, I'm going to talk about this idea of altars. In the Bible, you see, if you're, if you're a reader of the Bible, they, they talk about building altars, uh, predominantly a lot before Jesus sets the sacred table. Well, Jesus it is, but what we see in the Old Testament with Moses and the law, that there's this tabernacle and this sacred altar set up, people would encounter God in a unique way and set up an altar. 
And that's what that altar represented, was a place where sacrifices could be made, but more importantly, a place where there was a unique encounter with God. And they would set up these altars out of whatever materials were available. So last night, I'm alone with this, I'm not alone. I have all my four kids. Courtney's out this weekend, rightfully so, on a great women's trip with her sister and Roxanne. We went to the beach and we gathered all these stones from Moonlight, where we began. And these stones are for you to write down how God acted on your behalf in this space. So I have some Sharpies. I did. There were right there. Just let's take some Sharpies and just take a moment. I'm going to invite Hamilton up to kind of like play a couple chords while you reflect on how God acted on your behalf and to write it down on a stone. All right? This is, in my opinion, helping us this process. Yeah, why not? Thank you. You got this, Paula. And let's just say, by chance, by chance it's your second week here. You're like, dude, this is intense. It's like really intense. Like, what if the pastor was right next to me talking to me right now? That feels like super intense. I'm just eating my donut. You feel free just to process whatever you want. Intimacy. It's really hard to get out of this space. Yeah, yeah. So take a moment. This is helpful for all of us, just to process the way in which God's acting on your behalf. You're going to write down a word or a phrase. You're not going to be able to write down a paragraph. A word or phrase on the rock. More rock stuff to do later, but there's like some sermon time, and that's okay. Uh, anybody know Jean-Paul Sartre? I did a report on him in 12th grade. He was a 20th century philosopher and uh, existentialist. He said that scarcity is the single most important driving force uh, for humanity. Now, he had that premise because he thought humanity was utterly alone and left without excuse. I, I actually think scarcity is a very big driving force, but for a different reason. I, I think we're, everyone you know is searching for the God of loves. The, the only thing that could fill him is God. And in many ways, as followers, we're still searching. Um, because we're not in completion, just like that song we sang, Feasting Zion. We're not yet feasting yet. We're not without grieving. We still long for the God who longs for us. And though we can know God truly, we are at a point where we don't know God fully. And so that's a longing. We long for the God of abundance, the God who brings everything. And I had this whole part about the difference between abundance and prosperity, but like the true thing about God is, and don't believe the prosperity preachers that tell you that if you ask God what you want, he'll, he'll, the Lord will give it to you. That's not true. The true thing about what we believe, and this is important as we talked about orthodoxy, is that our Lord actually is the provider and the provision. Like God is, at the end of what your desires are, is a God standing there with open arms. That's who it is. God is a provider of daily bread and the lasting provision. In the midst of this, we do have wants that for some reason are delayed. We desire relationships, concessions for our behaviors. We desire shifts in our thinking. Uh, we desire a lot, but at the end of the day, it's God that we desire. And God doesn't grant every desire. I don't know the mystery of that, but I do know that the Lord is not a genie in the bottle. The Lord is what we want. And he invites us into a wonderful family and challenges us to kingdom participation. I mean, I've wanted a building to meet in as a church for like eight years. I have. 
But for whatever reason, that wish, that desire, I've been praying for it. I've been praying for it. It hasn't come. And I, as I pray that, I'm like, all right, Lord, is there something wrong with me? You know what I mean? Is there something wrong with us? I'm praying that prayer, search me, God. Know my anxious thoughts. Let me know if there's any offensive ways in me. That's what the psalmist says in 139. And the Lord has an answer to that. In fact, I don't sense that there's something, I mean, there's something always a little off about me, but like, I don't sense that there's something completely wrong with me. I just think that God's inviting me into a process. And maybe God's reinventing me or refining me. I don't know what the phrase is, or all of us in this process. Because God, though we don't have a building, he's given us a lot of great rocks. The Lord is the God of, he's a rock. And scripture affirms that God is the giver of good gifts. And so our part really is, if the Lord's a provider and provision, our part in following the king is to really surrender. Surrender what we have in the case of this place. Surrender this, those lights are awesome. Surrender the nice rafters, the windows. There's windows in the other place, but to surrender those windows. <laughs> surrender what we have so that everyone will have more. That's what it's like to follow the king, that we surrender what we have. We, we're open-handed with everything, and somehow everyone has more. That's what I know, kind of, that I'm learning, I would say. And we've been in a series called Footsteps, where we're rediscovering the ways of Jesus. And uh, the whole premise of this series is like, yes, we, many of us have read the words of Christ. We, history notes the works of Jesus and Jesus' followers, but a lot of us are unfamiliar with the ways of God. And a question we've been asking is like, how, well, the serious question is, what are the ways of Jesus so that we together may follow in Christ's footsteps? And we're in uh, the section of it about making disciples who make disciples. And I was like wondering, I was like, all right, Lord, do I stay in this or do I not stay in this on this Sunday? And I, as I read the text and as I sensed just what our church was needing, I felt really good about it. Um, because I, I just felt good about it. It's about God's ongoing provision in a time where we could feel a little scarce. Like, where are we going? What's this going to be like? And I think the important question um, for us as God's disciples, those who are learners of God, don't have it all together, uh, how do we experience the provision of God while becoming the provision of God? Because God's our provider. He's a provision. Our goal is to just surrender what we have so that everyone has more. God is the provider who gives up his life so that we can have life. God is a God who gives, gives of God's self, the Holy Spirit, so that we can experience lasting comfort and joy. So what is our part in asking for provision and being the provision? And then we read that passage about the feeding of 5,000. Laura read it, which is a great passage for us today. It shares a lot about how I, how I think we want to continue to experience kingdom breakthrough in these, this next season together. And uh, it's the feeding of the 5,000. It's a significant miracle. Bible nerds, it's a covenant throwback to, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Moses in the desert when God fed everybody with manna, bread from the sky, and quail. Jesus is feeding people with bread and fish. If God's a good shepherd who makes a sheep lie down in green pastures, they're so content with God that a sheep is lying down in its food and just hanging. Jesus is having... Crowds of thousands lie down on these beautiful shores of the North Sea of Galilee. Elijah feeds like 100 people with 20 bread, and Jesus feeds thousands 
And most of us have heard that it's like roughly somewhere between 15 and 18,000 total um, with just five pieces of bread and two fish. And then there's 12 basketfuls left behind, which represent the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel found in Jesus. It's significant that the apostles get to participate in this too. So that, I feel like there's really good grounds for us to ask and answer the question, as the Lord's disciples, how do we experience the provision of God while becoming the provision of God? So I'm going to read, uh, just, I'm going to reflect on it. Laura read it well, but I'm just going to reflect Luke 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took with them, he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send away the crowd so they can go to surrounding villages in the countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place. So the very first thing, I'm going to pause right there. The very first thing as we consider what does it mean to experience God's provision is to ask God. To ask God. Yes, even for what we want. Is there anything wrong with the disciples saying, can you send them away, Jesus? Typically, when Jesus is encountered with um, something that's contrary to the will of God, he'll, he'll call it out. He doesn't say, you little faith, you, 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 you don't know what you're talking about. He's like, he doesn't do that. We'll hear that later in the passage, but you can guarantee me, we'll get there. But he doesn't say that. Is it wrong for us to ask for God for what we want or what we're needing? Nay. The scripture says, ask, seek, and knock. Like, ask for provision, seek justice, knock for mercy. Jesus used these great parables that talk about persistent widows wanting justice, knocking on a judge's door until the judge opens the door. This is vitally important that we do ask and to not give up on asking because life is difficult. This is huge. Um, we do have to trust sometimes God's no's, God's yeses, or maybe God's maybes. And not go down the shame cycle of like, there's something wrong with me. And I'm preaching to Andy right now. Not that one, this one. How you doing, Andy? Good, Good to see you, brother. I mean, there may be times God wants to do a work in our life. There may be even a correction for us, but this is the God love we're talking about. But I'm becoming increasingly convicted that we just need to ask God for what, for what we're wanting and what we're needing and just to keep it simple. All right, that's the first thing. As God disciples, how do we experience the provision of God while becoming the provision of God? We ask, y'all, Maybe you want to take a moment now and just ask God for what you're wanting. Like, that's so important that I'll stop and have a bite of a donut. It's not in my notes. Amen. It doesn't even have to be that long. Most of that time is because I was eating the donut. And then I wanted to ask. Uh, so yeah, how do we experience the provision of God while becoming? We ask. The second thing we do is we allow Jesus to lead us in the process for the sake of all. We allow Jesus, after we ask, 
then we're open to God's ways of like, all right, Lord, I've asked. How are you going to lead me? What's next? Um, Jesus replied after they, hey, can they go away? He said, you give them something to eat. That was them, him leading in the process. And they answered, well, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go buy food for all the crowd. There's 5,000 men plus women and children. He said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups about 50 each. And the disciples did so and everyone sat down. So the disciples asked for reprieve uh, and they submit to what Jesus says. There's beauty and the freedom to ask. There's truth that then we allow Jesus to lead us in the process after we ask. And as we continue to ask, the disciples submit to the work of God and allow Jesus to lead. And of course, this is a careful dialogue to not again go down the shame train. I put that twice in my notes and must be worth saying. And it's also worthy to note that there's always work to be done, but sometimes God has specific work for us in and through our lives. And Try not to guess what it is. I think that's where we get in trouble. It's like, I asked, this must be what God's doing. No, be open to what God may be doing. There may be something completely new that God wants to do. Who knows? When we start guessing what God's doing, rather than discerning, we can easily go down that trap of shame. I think what's helpful when we discern and we ask God, is, is not asking the why questions afterwards. Why, why did this not come yet? Or, but asking more how questions or what questions, i.e., all right, how, how do you want to lead me in this process of asking? How do you want to involve others? What steps do you have for me now, God? I've asked you, what do you have for me now? And you know the way that like, you talk to your friends or like you talk to family members? Talk that way with God. All right, God, you're up. Let's see what you can do. I got a pastor, a friend of mine who I met in Israel. He is more crass than I am. And it's been amazing because I asked for a friend like that. He'll jab at God. He'll flirt with God. He'll be sarcastic with God. And we think like, okay, sometimes I, Nan, Abby and Dan are talking. And Abby talks to Dan in some ways. But Abby wouldn't talk to God in the same way that she talks to Dan. Why not? God knows your heart. It's like, come on, Lord, show me what you got, baby. I dare you. You know what I mean? Why not? This is the Lord who made you. Asking how and what questions in love are good. A lot of times this passage has been used to discuss leadership according to Jesus, like how to lead. And I think it's really good. Has anybody heard of the paradigm uh, as a leader speaking to a disciple or a teacher to a student, I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. And then you do, I watch. Have you, anybody ever heard that paradigm, like how to lead others and change, etc.? cetera? I, I think sometimes we need to expand it to we do, you all watch, because we're very individualistic. Like I think that's where the good gravy's at when we, when we have multiple leaders doing and multiple people helping and where that flips, where there's multiple students leading and multiple leaders helping. There's a lot that can be said, but there's a, a theory that like this passage is one of those passages where Jesus is like saying, hey, I'm going to do, but you're going to help. I'm going to do, and you're going to help. And that's really exciting. That is really exciting. Uh, because for all of us, we don't have the answers, but there's a process 
And we, God gives us a model to imitate, and we get to just practice. And for our, the case of our church and moving to another space, this is, a, this is now a time where we get to practice meeting in another space. And as change comes to, like, all right, be open to how God's allowing, leading us in the process. All right, Lord, change is here. Do you have changes for us? Uh, how, how do you want us to, like, follow you in this next season? And I just wanted to, like, tell you that as leadership teams, we've been praying and discerning and discerning and praying. And God's been saying, I'm going to do some stuff. I need you to watch. And then I'm going to do some stuff. I need you to help. And now it's your turn. And we've come to the conclusion about a few things that I wanted to share with you as we head into this next season, as God's been leading us in the process. Um, one is we, we've been talking about being a bit more creative in our gatherings. Like the best time is really when we're connecting. So how do we do creativity? Even today's like a little bit of that, you know? To, to really embrace some ancient traditions, but also have some inventive elements as we meet together as a people. Just to consider leaning into that. Service, worshiping, arts, painting, music, uh, poetry, dance, food, dialogue, panels, testimonies. These are things that are on our radar that we're thinking about as a, as a body in this next season. Even like our, our Advent series is actually rooted in communion. It's called Breaking Bread, Celebrating the God Who Longs to Commune with Us. I'm still wrestling with the tagline. It's like, I think I'm the only one who cares, but like, I always like, how should I write this? People are like, eh, I don't remember it. But uh, it's about communion. We're gonna take communion every Sunday in Advent because communion is about the incarnation as much as it is about God's salvation. It happens before the cross. So that's gonna be exciting, the different ways that we can practice communion. Um, some other things that have come up as we allowed God to lead us in this process is that um, start time. Good old start time. My man Ann told me, he said, uh, God is never on a schedule, but he's always on time. Amen. Mm. Well, here's the deal. We are never on a schedule, and we're rarely on time. We're rarely on time. And that is really disorienting to new people. It's actually, we've been setting as a term like, oh yeah, like we love this space, but it's actually become a detriment to people coming here because they don't know what they're doing. They come in, like everybody's outside, everybody's hanging out. When do you start? It says 10 on the website, it's 10.20 now. What do I do with kids? Wait, kids run around, what does that mean? And I love our crew, but I, I, I want to I invite, I'm, this is getting, I want to invite more people and I want it to be a very safe and welcoming spot for them. So, what a great opportunity with daylight savings where God gives us an hour to get back on time, y'all, to get back on time. And if you're late, dude, no worries. We'll start without you. It's like not a thing. But we do need to embrace an, a 10 a.m. start time for the sake of welcoming new people and not them experiencing exclusion or disorientation. It's a hard yes, I get it. It is. It is. Um, but the goal is to welcome one another and new people. So that's something we've been discerning. God's leading us in. I wanted to invite you into that. Another one. This one's going to hurt. This one hurts me. But it's also a great opportunity, so don't walk away yet. Kids. Kids. I love them. I love kids. They're, they're likely our most evangelistic frontier. Um, and I, I'm so stoked that we hired like a children family pastor, one who loves kids. She's not going anywhere. I, lo I love having kids roam this space um, for them. 
At the same time, it's a bit chaotic, and it adds to the confusion of newcomers. Uh, moreover, there's not really room for them in our new space, for them to be with us in the beginning of worship. So what's going to happen is we're going to check our kids in. Hang on, everybody, hang on in the beginning, um, because just the space is different than this space. This is rugged. That space has a community center, and if kids are running around, playing hide-and-seek, and my son is like the first one to do it. I get it. I, it's, it's like a point the finger and running over stuff. There's just more breakables there, and there's just not even enough room in the space. Um, it's going to be a great space for us, but just room-wise, there's just not going to be that space for them. Um, so kids will not be joining us every Sunday before the gathering. So what are the opportunities? This is the good stuff. I do love incorporating kids in worship. So we're going to start having some family Sundays. And not just like the fifth Sunday in the month that happens twice a year type of thing, but like the, the litmus is like every eight weeks where we actually center the gathering where I'm preaching to them because I know there's so many indirect drippings that comes from us hearing from a kid's ear. In fact, we have one coming up on the 26th of November. It's going to be dope. It's going to be dope. And, it, and here's the thing. An elephant in the room with all of us, so it's like we love worshiping our kids a lot of times our kids are just like running around or like sitting with their elves and talking to their friends. Sometimes they're in our laps, but sometimes they're just itching to go downstairs. And so what's going to happen is we also want kids to learn how to play music in their space. There's some gifted musicians, and we want to have them with us for sure. But we actually want to now send them to play music. Have these older, uh, mostly women and a couple older men who are learning music right now to teach the kids how to do music and give them a platform for their own leadership, knowing that they're going to be part of an entire gathering where it is directed towards them, not just an aside. Because as a tired parent, sometimes I just let my kids go and I just try to get things going. I'm sorry. It is awesome. And they'll be part of us. The next one's January 21st. It's going to be dope. I already got two, in the, I already got two ready. All right? Okay. I've talked to a lot of families, not every family about this, and I'm sorry if I haven't talked to you yet. But this is how we've been praying discerning for the last month or two. A lot of conversations. Dogs. Dogs. So I've talked to uh, most people, interested parties right now. <laughs> it's a hypoallergenic space. So dogs are invited to stay home. I don't know how you feel about putting them in the car. Um, but like that, that's the situation we're at. I know for some people, dogs can be uncomfortable. My son was like attacked by a dog. He gets freaked out at times. So, but I, w more than anything, it's a hyperallergenic space. So it's, we can't have dogs there. And there's not, it's just not as w big as this space. It's a dope spot. You'll see it. There's a great enclosed outdoor yard for the kids. There's this community center that's great. As well as this main room should be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, where dogs are not allowed in the space, I've had, those quite, I've had those conversations. I thought I'd just use this time to kind of share how God's been leading us in the process. Cool? Does anybody have any questions? And if any of those are a deal breaker, I will try to hold on to you, but I'm also sorry. Growing in my directive leadership. That's a good idea. Yeah. You got to check your kids in. And this happens at every other church except for ours, just by, mind you guys. I just want to, this isn't like some new thing. I'm not joking anybody, but every other church except for ours, including Light, they have a check-in here. They have a separate space where you check your kids in, and then you come in, 
And so you get there at like 9.55 to drop your kids off, and then you put your kids in. Yeah. It's important. It's a good question. All right. Any other questions? Parking. You can park in the parking lot if you're coming early. I mean, I'll explain this to you probably in email. There's a huge balloon lot that's available to us as well as the space behind there if you're like serving. That way you create space for new people. We're still working out the 15-minute parking place because there's only one business open. So don't park in the 15-minute parking space unless you told you are. You can. Cool? All right. All of these have been a part of our discernment process. Granted, among imperfect people with mixed motivations at best, as we all are. But we are trusted that God's leading us. All right. So we ask, how, how, do we become the, how do we receive God's provision while becoming the provision? We ask for what we want. We do allow God to lead us in the process. And then all of us, we need to acknowledge that God gives us all what we need and so much more. Like, this space is God's grace to us, and the next space is, guess what? It's God's grace to us. And the Lord is going to do, it's a really, really excellent location, in my opinion. I'm so stoked about it. Yes, it's closer to my house, but, like, it's... It's just, in a, it's just in a unique area, I, I just sense, that God has for us. Um, and I think it, it gives clarity from where we've been, commingling kind of with light and people coming in looking for light. And it's just hard. I love light. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah, it's a, I'm not going to make an analogy. I think, uh, yeah, we read the passage, it says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, the Lord gave thanks, he broke them, then he gave them to disciples and distributed them to the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And then the disciples picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. So there's more. They, God provides and some. The meal is great. The company's better. And our scarcity, whether we believe in God, believe in God or not, the Lord is providing for us. And a lot of times I think about, like, those baskets. And, I, I, you know, you picture, like, when you see, like, movies and Arab nations, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, were like those big baskets. Those baskets were a traveling pack that you just held on to you. It was basically enough for you to have lunch the next day. And that's who God is. God provides us. He provides more than enough. And God wants us to continue to depend on God's provision as we move on. And I'm excited to see what God will do, what altars will be built in this next space. So as we think about that and we consider worshiping the Lord, I want to ask you, like, what are you wanting or what are you needing from God in this next season? God's provided. If we can trust what God's done, we can trust what God will do. How are you wanting God to act on your behalf in this next season? There's more rocks there. The rock, I'd love for you, you could take any rock you want home. You could take them all home. But if you want to leave them behind, I'll, I'll definitely receive them. But I would love for you to write down what, do you, what, do you, what is your prayer right now? What is your prayer? And to take that for you home and as a visual reminder for you to continue to ask from God in this next season. Lord, how can you multiply this in my life? Whether it's rest, community, hope, family, joy. So I'm... Um, we're going to take time. You're going to do this during the third song, but the question is, like, what do you need from God right now?
What are you needing from God in this next season? You're going to write that down, trusting the other rock, trusting the altar that God has formed. Um, so yeah, I want to invite the band up. I have some next steps for us. We're going to take communion together, but we're going to wait until a song so that we can just focus in on this exercise. So next steps is that we'll be on the beach next week. That's where we're meeting. I'm actually so grateful to meet on the beach next week. Uh, I'm really grateful. I, have, I do God, believe God has a, a, a homily for us. There is an opportunity to be baptized so we get to celebrate what God has done. If you want to be baptized, I would love to talk to you. I know we have one baptism happening, right? Maybe two? Oh, we got two happening. Who's in? Who's in? No pressure, a little pressure. No pressure. Uh, yeah, and then the following week, we're going to meet at Kids by the Sea, which is 2240 Encinas Boulevard. I got the text wrong. Encinas Boulevard, northwest corner of Encinas and Manchester slash Rancho Santa Fe Road. Next week is Daylight Savings. And if you want to see the spot early, there'll be a connection dinner next Sunday night in the evening at the space. I'd love for us to eat some pizza. I'll get gluten-free, by the way. Um, and um, for us to pray over the space. Cool? Uh, I would love for us to consider, if you're not already serving on a Sunday team, I talked to my man Bill. There's no pressure, Bill. But these kids learning worship, uh, I just, I just, I just, just thinking about that, not every Sunday. But I hear you got, you got the chords and the chords. So, um, but anybody else, we, we need help on a, Sunday, a team. It's a great way to get involved. And then to continue to support the movement, there's some expenses. We got gifted a sweet like projector screen yesterday, which is cool, and maybe a sound system, which like a minor one, but pretty cool one. But like there's this stuff we've had to buy, um, signage, cafe supplies. If anybody knows of a good coffee breaker, multi multi size one, like a big one, let me know. I don't want to research that. Like a big one that can like, you know, like two of those. Huh? Okay, that's good. Yeah, and then we also need some supplies for our orphanage trip at the end of the month, so if you want to help out with that, that would be super helpful. But, but we're going to have a song and then take communion together. So Lord, we thank you for this space. We thank you, Lord, that you're the God of abundance, and your abundance comes through the, the mystery, the paradox, the beauty of giving yourself away. Lord, that you're the God who was taken from heaven, the God who always gave thanks, the God who was broken and then given, Lord. So teach us what that means as we walk in your footsteps to allow ourselves to be taken into places we may not want to go and to go wherever we are with great, great gratitude for your life, Jesus, your death, and your resurrection. Allow our brokenness to be in full view, whether it's our grief, our weaknesses, our circumstances, Lord. Unabashed, unafraid, so that you can do a deeper work than only you can do. And then would we give ourselves to others freely so that all can have more. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Andrew, do we have giving up there? Or? Before we do a couple more songs, church, um, 
I'd like to invite you to give if you call Water's Edge home. If you're just visiting, we're really glad that you're here.